tired of ads crashing your comedy podcast party. Good news. Ad-free listening on Amazon Music is included with your Prime membership. Just head to amazon.com slash ad-free comedy to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Enjoy thousands of ACAST shows ad-free for Prime subscribers. Some shows may have ads. everyone welcome to the first live episode of my kind of weirds this one is going to be sort of the separation from the traditional format we're going to have guests on we're going to be recording live we're going to be unedited we're going to be talking about uh their weird projects we're going to be talking about what makes them weird and today i am joined by none other than jonathan hedrick who has a couple of things on the horizon jonathan welcome Hey, thanks for having me on, Anthony. I appreciate it. No worries at all. Now, firstly, John or Jonathan? Uh, I introduced myself as Jonathan, but I don't mind if people call me John. It's uh, one of those things where, you you, uh, you know, it's like Anthony or Tony or Mike or Michael. You know, I don't want to spend my whole life telling people, you know, <laughs> being that guy like, no, it's Jonathan. Damn it. You better know. It's already a struggle. <laughs> to get people to spell my name correctly. So I'll, I'll take John if they can even remember that much. You know, <laughs> my, my last name, Hedrick, gets at like so many extra syllables and letters get added all the time. So mm-hmm. I, I'm just mm-hmm. grateful. John and Jonathan, either one's fine by me. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, your surname, I don't come across Hedrick's too often. So what's mm-hmm. the background of that? That's uh was uh mostly German, Irish, uh, and it was uh Americanized on Ellis Island, uh, you know, a hundred years ago when um uh or or less. Uh my American history was is terrible. <laughs> but uh, um <laughs> it, it, someone, you know, one of my ancestors came to America and they're like, Nope, that's too complicated to spell. It's gonna be Hedrick here. Mm-hmm. So um but yeah, mostly Irish, uh, German background. Yeah, nice, nice. Now, you're coming towards the end of your press run for uh, Dream Master. I was lucky enough to get a bit of a sneak peek. Uh, is it is it out yet or it's, or it's about no, to be released? Uh, almost. Well, it was originally scheduled for November 30th and then it got pushed back a week. So now December 7th, which happens a lot in the indie comics. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm not surprised, but the book, the book is ready. It's just those behind the scene type stuff between, you know, publisher, printer and distributor. So, um, but I tell people, you know, now you have an extra week to uh, remind your comic book shop to hold it for you or add it to your mm-hmm. list. Mm-hmm. Tell us a bit more about it, because when I read it, I got a sort of like a almost like a, a Sandman sort of vibe to it. Uh, very supernatural, very otherworldly. Um, for those uh, uh, who are watching this or who will listen to this, if um, if the comic book isn't out already, it is very much set in the dream world, um, mm-hmm. and it starts with sort of the uh, protagonist. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you quite call her her, her a heroine just yet, and but pretty much. Uh, you know, fleeing from uh, these sort of demonic uh, nightmares. Mm. But um, yeah, how would you how would you present it? 
I, I would call um, Dream Master like a, a cross between uh, Nightmare on Elm Street meets um, Alice in Wonderland. And oh, that's my wife, Francesca, my biggest fan. Thank you for, for being on. <laughs> um, um, but um, She works in the industry, doesn't she? She, she does. Yep. She is yeah. a, a comic book artist um, best known yeah. for uh, Steak at Scout Comics, which was recently nominated for a Ringo Award. Mm-hmm. Um we were at Baltimore Comic Con recently for the for the award ceremony. She also did a book at Aftershock called um, Artemis and the Assassin with Stephanie Phillips, um, mm. who everyone knows and uh, got, went on to great stuff with the big two. I still doing great stuff. And then Grim at um, Boom. And uh, yeah, she's a fantastic artist. I'm, I'm fortunate to be in the same room with her, let alone married to her. Mm. So... But, so- the question there is how long until she says to you, write me a story? Well, I already did. That's the thing. So, uh, she write me had, another story. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> well, hopefully she'll draw the, the first one. Then I'll do write the second one. Um, but, uh, yeah, we uh, everyone asks, you know, when's the um, project that we're going to work on together? And it, it's a lot of timing um, has a big part to do with it. And also – um, fi- you know, finances, you know, it, I'm not, I can't afford to pay my wife to, to draw that project. So it's either going to be, you know, uh, in between paid gigs or if someone hires her to do that project. Yeah. Um, so if any of the publishers are listening, if you want the first <laughs> uh, husband and wife combo um, one shot, reach out. <laughs> So going back to um, Dream Master, give us your take on it. Well, let's start with the original idea behind it and how how that began to sort of percolate. Yeah, so um, uh, Black Box Comics, who's the publisher, they approached me with the synopsis of it. Uh, How their their titles work is they they own all the IPs, all the characters and titles. It's not uh, a creator-owned publisher. So they hired me um, to, to write Dream Master, and I, I was given about a page and a half synopsis of it. And uh, that was after, you know, a few months before that, me meeting with them over the phone and, and discussing, you know, um, the genres I like to write, some of the things I'm influenced by. And when they said that they thought when they would have a project in mind for me, that they would reach back out. And that's when, you know, they uh, proposed Dream Master. So, um uh, I really dug the the concept of it. Uh, they really stressed that they wanted this to take place almost entirely in the dream uh, world, which is a lot of fun for me because that opens up a whole world of storytelling. Uh, can do a lot of crazy things with that. And um, uh, one of the pitches that was told to me was imagine if our main character, our hero, the dream master, think of him as um, – uh, Freddy Krueger from Nightmare on Elm Street, but a good guy. So in this world um, that Dream Master is set in, uh, dreamers can die in their sleep, and the Dream Master is cursed uh, with having to save them. And he's like this unsung hero that the dreamers don't remember once they wake up. So if you don't remember who the Dream Master was, you're in luck because you, you survived that nightmare and can live another day while he's out, you know, saving another dreamer from these you know demonic nightmares that um 
uh, are constantly chasing after other dreamers. So it's a cool, cool way to uh, tell a lot of stories um, and go a lot of different ways. And I'm excited to be a part of it. Where did the the imagery sort of start to come from? We are you someone that's very, uh, I guess, mm-hmm. hands on with your script in, in terms mm-hmm. of dictating what uh, designs and things like that, or is that mm-hmm. something you worked collaboratively with the the artist? How, how did that begin to take shape? Uh, it was more of a collaboration with the publisher and, and the artist as well, and I, I was able to get some input into it, but. Um, uh, yeah, it, uh, I think Black Box really kind of had uh, their uh, the look in mind for Dream Master uh, and, and wanted to go that that route with him. Uh, and I think it looks cool. You know, it's like um, a very nightmarish um, uh, Rorschach is, is what people, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, pick up on right away. Like that, that reminds me of Rorschach. And I'm like, good, because that, that's a cool character, you know, that, that doesn't take any guff from anybody. And, and uh, mm. but, you know, I want to compare the characters as far as like, uh, you know, they have a little bit of um, uh, similar appearance, but like, as far as what they do and everything like that, completely different. I mean, I'm a huge fan of, of, of Watchmen Alan Moore's work um, in general, but mm. um, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't comp- I wouldn't say Dream Master is anything like Warshack, other than you know they like that uh, that uh, that Derby hat. <laughs> And that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I think I uh, described him in my review as a uh, black metal Rorschach. Um, yes, I like that. Yes, just <laughs> because <laughs> sort of got like the uh, the the black sort of eye claws, sort of like coming down yeah. out of his eyes and things like things like that. So, um, yeah, that was great. All right, well, let's um, let's talk more more about you um, in turn because um, I don't know a lot of your history um, okay. beyond sort of. I think uh, I first came across you uh, doing the you did the recount. Was that was that you? Yeah, yeah, yeah first scout. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so where before that? How where? Where do you come from in terms of what is your inspiration come from? What what's your background? Um, tell me a bit about yeah. that. Well, you know, I've always been a, a lifelong comic book reader and collector. Um, I didn't major in English or writing or anything like that in, in school or, or um, college, but um, uh, in grade school, I was always um, told by my teachers that hey, you're you're a really good writer. Um, you should do something with that. But when you're in high school, you don't, no one has like a, a posters on their wall of their favorite writer. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you don't want to, everyone wants to be a rock star or an athlete mm-hmm. or, or, or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So I remember like getting points taken off on a lot of essays because I used too many words or pages or I, I, I described those, you know, written answers too long. So there's always something there. There's always like a uh, a creative side too, where I you know would write in journals, just oddball little sentences or short stories, poems that, but never really did anything with them until about like 2018, 2019, when um, I was just I was struck with the inspiration of, of just what if I could take one of these short stories I wrote in the past and just flip it into a a comic book script. So I checked out a lot of books online and um, from my local library on how to write uh, 
a comic book and mm-hmm. sat down and, and kind of taught myself through those books and um, things online that I read. And then one day I had this 24 page script one shot, which was called Freak Show Princess. Um, a, a simple zombie story. And um, then I was like, now what do I do with this? You know, I went through the trouble, I have a script. Um, so I reached out at, uh, online and um, started networking with people, asking how to get this thing actually uh, attached some artwork to it. Um, found an artist and he kind of walked me through the streamlined process of making a comic book for the project management side of it, of, you know, you hire your, your pencils, your inks. And then when they're done, you, you find a colorist. And when the colorist comes back with those pages, send it to a letter. And once I got the, that process down and made when it made sense to me and I knew I could write a comic book, I, I was hooked. You know, I, I had one going after the other, um, Recount number one was actually the third script I ever wrote. Um, and mm. I had, I had uh, artwork uh, for it when I um, met uh, one of the um, uh, one of the publishers at uh, a convention at Scout um, and showed them. You know, I was just introducing myself. I had one comic book printed, two in the works. One of those was Recount, and I showed them some sample pages. And he said, when you get home, email me. Uh, and four weeks later, I signed a contract with Scout for that uh, for a recount. Mm. That that series had this sort of this air of someone who had some sort of uh, military background or service. Did I read somewhere that you do, or is? Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was in the army for three years. Uh, 2002 to 2005, never went overseas. Um, but, uh, I was, um, uh, trained to be an x-ray specialist and I came out uh, with that, um, you know, that training and worked in the medical field right away. And, um, you know, that's what I've been doing, uh, for most of my adult life. Um, and as well as, you know, the past several years doing comic books too. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the uh, United States Army gave me a great career, a lot of good experience, and I'm super grateful for that time. Wish it could have been longer, but, you know, it, it was the amount of time it was supposed to be. So how how did that work? Um, that that part itself interests me, if you don't mind talking no, about it. Um, yeah. It's uh, so someone gets injured on the battlefield, they have to be x-rayed. Is that, is that kind of how it works or that, or it could be a civilian too. So, um, the, I was attached to what's called a combat support hospital. So, um, if my company did go overseas and, and they did after I got out, um, you know, they would be somewhere near where action was and people would be transported if they were injured to that hospital. And it may be soldiers it may be you know a civilian um it could just be someone sick on base uh at the time that just needs a chest x-ray but that's what Mm -hmm. the um you know that role would have been on a uh combat side overseas um but as well as you know uh, all the um uh united states military and um hospitals that are there to serve you know the people that are working here in the states as well as their their family and retired um military personnel and 
getting into the comics, what was the time between leaving uh, the army and getting into comics? How does that how does that journey sort of uh, navigate and map towards that outcome? Yeah, I probably didn't start writing comics till almost twelve or thirteen years after I got out of uh, the army. But you know, the w- no matter how long you're in. It, you know, a lot of it sticks with you. At least it did for me. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I, it wasn't a lifelong career, but those were three long, the, I call it the the shortest, longest years of my life. <laughs> um, every day was long and slow. And I look back and I can't believe it, it was like 20 years ago when I first uh, enlisted. But um, yeah, I mean, there's, I remember almost every single place in in day during that time but um mm. you know I, I was still when i was uh you know at my different um duty stations i was still reading comics collecting comics and um but yeah uh probably 13 years later after i got out i started writing but you know a lot of the experience and i think uh in the recount you probably see it the most um you know with, with the weapons and, and the the, the discipline and like the uniformity of um, something that would happen in the, an event like the recount that requires um, organization and, and timing and control to pull off, you know, uh, a situation like that. Yeah, I think it's fair to say with your experience in the army, at least the US defense force always has this sort of this reputation of it's big on discipline mm-hmm. did that um help with the 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 writing does it help now with the writing process oh yeah i i owe a lot to um my, my current discipline you know I, I i and i falter just like anyone else does but um you know i i if a job needs to be done then I, I do it. You know, I'm the only one that can let myself down. Um, or I'm the first one to let myself down as I should say. Um, but yeah, I'm very good at, um, uh, taking a, a task and, and breaking it down to smaller steps. And, and that, that works a lot, uh, works very well with the process of, um, writing comics. Like when I'm about to, uh, start a new script for something, you know, if it's going to be 24 pages you know, before I start, writing 24 pages let me just write 24 sentences and one sentence for each page you know break it down to that scale and use that as like my outline when i'm about to flesh out the first draft so Mm. and and then then it's also like all right how many uh pages should i do a day so i'm one not burning through this script too fast and and just writing anything just to say it's done And, and two getting it done in a, a decent amount of time. So I'm not writing uh, a script for six months. I feel like the recount, it could have, uh, firstly, I don't know how you condensed all of the information into <laughs> uh, three issues. Four, um, four, uh, four issues. issues. Sorry, four <laughs> issues. Um, I feel like it could have been longer. Do you think you could you could have taken a story, not doesn't have to be that or like that, and could have expanded mm-hmm. that into a novel? Uh, yeah, probably. Um, you know, uh, the whole prose format of writing is not something I'm ready to venture mm-hmm. into. Uh, I'm curious about it. Um, one of these days, you know, I, th- I think I, uh, when I'm in a more financially stable 
a place where I can have more time allotted for some, an extracurricular activity like writing a novel I would do. But, um, you know, the recount was four issues because mainly that it, it's hard to self-produce um, uh, an indie comic book like that. And, um, you know, it needed – I always wanted it to be multiple volumes, and it's still the plan to be uh, multiple volumes. Um, but it, it was impossible to uh, get it out with five, six, seven issues. Um, it just wouldn't have – it just wouldn't have happened. So that's why earlier in the year I had um, a prequel one-shot come out called The Recount Preamble, which was 36 pages, and it was um, – you know, gave more backstory and mythos to this world um, that the recount is set in. And mainly the leader of that cult following that uh, really triggered the events in the first issue. So it kind of like is like the the war drums uh, before the recount happens. Is there a volume two in the works with that series? There is, yeah. Um, having a hard time getting artwork off the ground, uh, which is the most frustrating part of it because that is something I, I can't control. I can throw money at artists all day long, but they work at their own speed. Um, so, you know, if I could draw, it would already be done. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, so, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, I'm going to, you know, when, when an artist uh, can start get, getting it up and running uh, correctly, um, you know, we'll see, it'll see the light of day. Uh, I, I'm just, I can't force it either. I can't, um, put it out rushed. I can't, um, put it out with subpar artwork and, um, uh, until I can get an artist to give me proper pages, it's gonna, people are going to continue to wait for it. But the, I, I think no matter how long it takes, people will re- see the second volume and be happy with, you know, the expansion of the recount mm. from that. Mm. All right, so let's talk um, uh, you a bit more in other areas. Um, so religious? Uh, I would say more spiritual. I, I, spiritual. I, you yeah. know, um, uh, I grew up in a very agnostic slash, um, you know, uh, uh, yeah, at least a more uh, uh, agnostic household than anything else. And with the benefit of that uh, is I was free to explore whatever, you know, religions I, I wanted to, uh, no one told me I, I couldn't, uh, you know, I, I wasn't, you know, forced to be like atheist or anything like that. So, uh, I, I spent a lot of my life, um, soul searching in a way for a, a spiritual side of me. And I, which I, I think I found, um, a couple of years ago, um, it, when I just, you know, learned about the concept of, a higher power to what I believe it is. And I don't have to share that with anyone else. And then that's when it clicked and made sense to me. And I, I just ran with that and uh, I, I don't need a symbol for it. I don't need a book for it uh, or any, need to put it on a t-shirt. I, it's just, um, it's my own thing. So mm-hmm. it, it's a, it's a way for me to uh, understand that I'm not um, in control of everything and that, um, you know, uh, I, I'm not the center of the universe. So th- th- that helps. Uh, it helps ground me and it helps when I'm getting in those situations where I'm about to, you know, lose control. I can at least think that 
hey, this is by some type of design. I don't know when I'm going to figure out the purpose of this, but eventually I will. So take it easy, Jonathan. So I'm going to take that as you haven't discovered the meaning of the universe yet. Not yet. <laughs> yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So let's talk uh, music inspiration. Yeah. Um, what's what's your favorite artist? Favorite artists? Favorite artists of all time would be uh, the Deftones. Um, you've seen them live countless times um mm. met them multiple times uh the you know that music and the surrounding um bands and, and those genres that you might um someone might put them in it's probably what i grew up on the most in, in my teenage years that like that hooked and stayed with me um and you know, uh, I probably have a lot of um, other favorites that I go in and out of, but Deftones are probably the ones that stay, have stayed the longest um, over the years. Um, mm-hmm. But then um, uh, as far as like the uh, music that uh, for writing, um, I, I can't listen to anything with lyrics when I'm writing. <laughs> I, I have to ask the number one rule, me. isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it, it takes me out. Um, I lose focus. So I like to listen to musical scores. Um, and there's this genre called ambient rock. Um, that's mm. like, it's like alternative, but not like aggro. Uh, some mm. of the bands are called um, Signal Hills, one of my favorites in that genre. L1011, the album Leaf, um, those, those bands. Um, uh, it, it's like, uh, just relaxing music, but not um, like you're listening to monks chanting or anything like that either. Um, did, did you ever get into Pelican? Pel- it sounds very familiar. Is that in that um, that genre too? So uh, I'm a big fan of um, post-rock. Um, mm-hmm. uh, ISIS was a post-rock band, um, not not the terrorist organization people <laughs> band, and um, <laughs> and uh, on their uh, the singer's label was this band called Pelican, who I think were from Boston, but they okay. basically played post-rock, yeah, instrumental post-rock, mm. and strangely enough, a lot of their music was inspired by australia i don't know oh. how i don't know why and hence the name pelican so oh, okay. um, that that might be a band to pick up um yeah i'll check them out yeah sleep makes waves is another good one i think you might get into okay um if you like the more proggier elements mm. of ambient rock so um yeah. i guess it just depends how how mellow you want it um yeah yeah you're a mogwai fan Yes, Mogwai, it, that's a big one uh, that gets uh, kicked on a lot in that um, that station when I, you know, put it on. Um, mm. Who else? Uh, um, yeah, someone has uh, mentioned a few other bands that are less of the slower, calmer. Um, people would call it like shoegaze, you know, the bands that just oh, stand yeah. with their shoes yeah. when they're playing. Yeah. <laughs> and there's also instrumental heavier side too um mm. which which mm. still works for me too you know i i like that that's just a, a harder station to find you know on, on the streaming music channels yeah mm. mm. is a good shoe guys band um mm. uh they're they're an incredible um 
uh, but anyways, we're sort of uh, just talking about music now, aren't we? What's your fa- what's your favorite Deftones album? <laughs> uh, it'd have to be around the fur because I think that's when I uh, discovered okay. them. Yeah, that, that second album. I mean, uh, all their albums are, are great. Um, some I've listened to more than others, um, but uh, yeah, around the fur. Uh, that's the one where I. I it almost transports me back to where I was originally listening, you know, to that album for the first time. And um, mm. yeah, I- incredible stuff. I think white pony is it for me. Um, yeah. I mean, that one's, that, that one's great. That, that's, that's like a very close second for me too. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's um, cause I'm a big fan of tool and I feel like yeah. um, the Deftones anima is uh mm. white pony for sure. Yeah. You're right. Sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, they, they they won a Grammy uh, on, on that album, and mm-hmm. it got them more radio play and uh, more mainstream listeners. So I'm not saying it's a sellout album either. Um, it definitely uh, is like a, a musician's album. I think a lot of people that are musicians are also really drawn to the Deftones like, on a respect for you know what they can do in in their different uh, elements and with their mm-hmm. different instruments too. Mm. Um, you you sort of have that uh, that feeling with Deftones that it's um, there's uh, there's a there's a a part of each ingredient that you pick up on with every single mm. listen. There's always yes. something new that I find with them, mm. and uh, I feel like that's um, that's what I like about. It. It's kind of like our Dream Master as well. There's um, a bit of uh, there's different elements in that first comic, which hats off yes. to you, which um, I feel like is just there's different elements in there that you sort of picked up on and sort of remixed your own sort of supernatural horror uh, right. comic. Um, so I don't even know where I'm going with this. Um, so. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just uh, over here uh, taking in those compliments. Kidding. Bring them on, Anthony. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, let, let's let's talk about let's talk about that um, that uh, that format. So hmm. you, you've obviously you've released recount uh, freak show princess was it, um, and then uh, dream master is about to drop. Um, where do you sort of uh, which aspect of uh, the comics releases and publishers do you sort of veer towards? Um, you know, what's who's releasing the things that you want to uh, read and read more of? Yeah, I mean, um, I really love um, uh, indie publishers mainly. You know, um, that's uh, I, that's where my heart is right now. Um, you know. Uh, it would be great, you know, to work for the big two uh, and, and write those legendary characters. But I think, um, you know, uh, to be able to create something from scratch is where a lot of creators want to be. So like um, Boom, um, Boom Studios, TKO Studios, um, Aftershock, uh, Dynamite, uh, a, a lot of those. Um, uh, Zenoscope is, I'm glad you mentioned them on um that review that you did, uh, I've reached out to them several times. I, I'd love to take, you know, one of those. They're very um, uh, popular for doing, uh, taking like a fairy tale character or a legendary character and, and like remixing it up. And I think that'd be, you know, a lot of fun to do too. So, um, yeah, uh, 
I think we're in the golden age of indie comics right now. So that's where I would prefer to stay or, you know, uh, working for uh, Marvel or DC is pie in the sky, in my opinion. Um, I don't think they even know who I am, but uh, I hope that, you know, at least, you know, the, some of the other indie comic book publishers might have my name on a dry erase board somewhere with a question mark, you know, just waiting for the right sale numbers or, I don't know, another title to, to get popular before making that, e- sending that email to me, but we'll see. Mm, mm. Um, so, uh, let's, let's talk specifically then. Um, what a dynamite releasing that are you, you're reading? Uh, well, I, I go, uh, in and out with, uh, Vampirella. Um, you know, that's a, a um, you know, that, that's a property that I've liked for a long time, even across other publishers, um, and I just really like how uh, they're, um, you know, they, they have these properties and, and can just bring them forward to a brand new audience um, or, you know, uh, an audience that's appreciated it before and, you know, may have forgot about it. Uh, it reminds me a lot of when Tops had a publisher, was a publisher back oh, wow. in the nineties. Uh, and and I'm, wow. I'm a big fan of those Tops comics. I, I still collect them. Yeah. I'm in the dollar bin looking for those um, Mars attacks. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm pretty yeah. sure I have a Mars attacks in a box just over uh, there. <laughs> they're great. You know, that's, that they is, really that is comics. Yeah. it's fun and you can it's jump a, into it. You don't need to know 80 years of, of history or, you know, a continuity. You can just be like, yep, I, I want some, some wacky Martians, you know, uh, running around with ray guns today. You know, that's the kind of comics I want to write. I want be, I want people to be able to hop in and go for the ride right away. They don't need to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, go down a Wikipedia wormhole just to figure out where they even need to start. Yeah, it's uh, doing what I do. Um, every now and again, you get someone's just, oh, don't you know about what happened in issue two hundred and fifty in yes. nineteen seventy six? And it's just like, man, fuck off. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, what you're referring to was on a different world. You know, that was Earth. Blah blah blah. You know, how do you keep up with that kind of stuff? You know? Like, yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. I put it in. I sort of put. It's actually. It's the the biggest irony of people like that. Um, especially those people that are sort of your and my age and sort of older, those ones that are just so like that. It's just like they probably spent a lot of their teens getting beaten up by you guys call them jocks, but we call them bokens over here. And, um, and what, those jocks do is they're like when they watch like a footy game or something like that, there's that aspect of, uh, of jocks that are, they're so nerdy that they know every statistic and all that type of stuff. But all these hardcore comics fans are just doing the same thing. So don't you know what happened? (laughs) That's the biggest irony of comics altogether is got been up by jocks probably and he's doing the same thing as a lot of jocks are doing, but yep. you know. to- toxic fandom, you know? Yeah. Yep. You, oh, you, you, you don't like this version of this character, then you must not be a true fan of it. And yeah, come on, yeah. give me a break. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> read what you want, collect what you want. 
it's it's not going to hurt anybody. And that's the beauty of it is that especially with something like Marvel DC that is uh, so old and and even like Star Wars and all those old um, intellectual properties is the beauty of them in my opinion is they exist in so many different formats that uh, eventually toxic fandom hopefully is going to realise, oh, I liked them 10 years ago. Mm. They're still there. I can just like that that period. Whereas, exactly. you know, someone who's just gone into them goes, oh, I can just like that period in 2020 or whatever. It's, you know, I live in hope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have to make it fresh for new people all the time or mm. it'll fade, it'll fade out. You know, mm. Uh, mm. if we don't revisit it and, and you know, I, I don't want to say make it modern, but, you know, introduce new takes on it. It can still exist what you liked before. Maybe we can break it off into two different lines, three different lines, what, whatever it takes. It's just like how they have, you know, junior novelizations of things, you know, that's it, more you know appropriate for a, a younger audience. You can have a different character that, you know, identifies differently and, and or looks like a different, you know, um, minority that's not seen enough. There's, that's OK. You can have that and you can still like the other version, too. You know, mm. it, well, why can't everyone just be uh, get what what they want? And, you know, it's not like we're it, these are fictional characters. You know, it, it, the mm. possibilities are are limitless. So let everyone you know have their fun with it. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Now we've talked about what you're into. Uh, you know, musically, artistically. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about uh, the Dream Master character. What is the mm-hmm. Dream Master characters? Well, what would he? What's his top ten bands? <laughs> top ten bands. Okay. So the thing about Dream Master, uh, let me start off with this: is he doesn't even know who he is, and that's that's what he's struggling with uh, in this uh, first volume. Is that he he knows he needs to save these dreamers, or something really bad's going to happen, but he doesn't know how he got himself into this, um, you know, this curse for lack of better words. Um, so I, uh, I think um, music he'd be into would be like the Misfits, um, um, the Sex Pistols. I'm, I'm thinking a lot of like 70s, 80s punk, uh, yeah. you know, that the chaotic, um, you know, three chord guitar, um, two minute song, because that's all you can remember type stuff. So, Yeah. <laughs> Nice, nice, excellent. Um, all right, so where so the first issue is about to drop. Um, yeah. the how many issues is it going to be in total for the first volume? Uh, the first volume is going to be five issues. Um, I uh, have written nine issues so far with um, uh, no particular number to stop at. So this can be an, an ongoing series as long as we have people picking it up. So the, um, and I'm going to keep on writing it as long as people, uh, you know, want it. So I, I'm mm-hmm. having a, a, a blast with this character and going on this journey with him and organically finding the character just as he's finding himself, which I hope the, the readers pick up on too. You know, the, the readers are never going to know more than Dream Master and vice versa. So I think that's a, a kind of a cool concept where you're going to figure it out together and go on this journey, this, this weird, bizarre Alice in Wonderland, Nightmare on Elm Street 
uh, dreamscape that uh, where anything can happen, but um, there's a lot of risk at, with that too. Mm. Well, uh the the great thing about it is uh, I feel like because the more demonic elements, you have the mm-hmm. potential to sort of tap into those audiences that might yeah. pick up, you know, a comic that haven't maybe in a while or probably never have. How Are you getting much of a sort of a view on what your sales numbers are? Uh, not yet, but uh, I've heard some or seen some scuttlebutt. Someone took a, screenshot of a discord chat and sent it to me so i can't really hold it you know to you know uh, uh, as law but mm-hmm. um a, a couple of or a few of the major online retailers are are re- supposedly reporting that um they've sold out of their a lot of copies that they've already pre-ordered so mm-hmm. i don't have and i don't again i don't know how true that is um but yeah i don't have any specific numbers but um yeah, I, I, you know, my goal, of course, a, a sell-on would be fantastic. Um, but I want everyone to have a copy of this. You know, I want everyone to get on board with issue one and see where we're going with this story and, and, and stay on for, you know, at least stay on for five issues. If you like this first arc, then fantastic. All right. So I'm going to put info about where c- people can pre-order it i might put the does black box have a store i might put a yep. blackboxcomics.net yeah. net yeah 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 so i'm uh, i'm gonna put that in the show notes as well and for our podcast as well um is there anything else you want to tell anyone who's listening watching about uh the the character and why why they should pick it up what's your last minute pitch <laughs> uh, last minute pitch is you know this is a fan for uh, this is this is for fans of the horror genre, but it also you know we don't typically th- see heroes in our ho- horror genre comics. You know this is a journey we're going to see with this character. Um, it has you know a fantasy element too. Uh, it's got crazy action. We have awesome artwork from the uh, main artist Luigi Baricelli who's killing it with uh, these one page and double page splashes and all the a covers are all wraparounds, which is super mm-hmm. unique for, you mm-hmm. know, an indie small press publisher that you're getting a wraparound cover for all the main a covers. I mean, that's, that's really, really rare. <laughs> so I, I hope people uh, can have, at the very least appreciate the artwork and you happen to like the story too. Mm-hmm. I, you know, mm-hmm. That'd be, that'd be bonus for me. <laughs> Yeah, um, the wraparound covers are great. The yeah. the sort of what I miss about things like that is uh, remember adjoining covers back in yeah. the late nineties, two thousand connecting co- covers. I, I think that some people are, are bringing that back here and there. Yeah, mm. I especially like it when it's um, not all for the same issue. It's going, you know, like issue one through five connect together. I think that's really cool. So after you've bought all five issues and you put them side by side and they're connected cover that that's really cool that people are bringing that back mm, yeah hopefully hopefully more continues well i wish you the very best of luck with issue one Thank two you. three four 
50, whatever, whatever comes. <laughs> Thanks, Anthony. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. All right. All right, everyone. So that's it for my kind of weird with this episode. I've been Anthony and my guest has been uh, Jonathan Hedrick. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, enjoy everyone. Subscribe, follow, share, do whatever you can. Just stay away from Twitter. Ciao, guys. <laughs>